With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you doing on this lovely Thursday? You we're gotta, gonna first start. We have thanks. We're gonna first start with uh. Said that, you said that tre- with trepidation. Yes. Not sure. I, well, I understand it in the summer, act because it's just oh. things start to blend. Yeah. But when we're in the midst of the year. <laughs> I want to give you my theory real quick about this because if I haven't shared it before, I'm gonna share it. If you've heard this before, let me know. But um. Okay, I'll right. just log off. <laughs> no, but here's 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 my theory. This past year has gone both incredibly quickly and unbearably slowly at the same time. And and I was trying to figure out why that would be, right? You know, why <laughs> make very funny. Um, I was trying to figure out why that why that would be. And this is my theory that we have now entered, and we no longer have seven days in a week. We have four. Okay, and this this is what I, I feel like we have four. Because um, Friday is the escape day. Friday is a day because Friday still has a feel like Friday is, is a definitely a day. Mm. It's going it's going into the week. Monday is a day for sure. So those are mm. two days. Uh, Saturday and Sunday are one day. They're just like a weekend-ish type feeling that, you know. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are another one day. Like if you try to remember what you did last Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you'll have a tough time remembering like distinctively. So I feel as if these are the four days of the week. But but it's weird that one of those days the sun comes up and and sets it does three times. But it feels like a continual day, and it's like and, and that those that's why the time goes slowly because that day is unbearably long, like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But at the same time, you know, there's only four days a week, so it kind of goes quickly. So that's my theory on on how we how life has changed. Anyway, okay. That's, so go ahead, Russ. So let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, don't do it. Come on. Oh, yes. Oh, I already have a team that's lost two 18 point leads going into the fourth quarter. A team that all the mathematicians have said they had a 99.7 chance percent chance of winning yesterday, which is why I hate that. Well, this team has a this percent chance of winning, and this you percent pay attention. Chance- if you pay attention to those things, that's your problem. Listen, they're out there. It's but you know what you have to pay attention to, Anthony? <laughs> the fact that Ben Simmons will not step up in a big situation. It's on the box yeah. score on ESPN. They have the, per- the running percentages. The score is – it's it's ridiculous. And, and, Anthony, I want you to remember, I'm not saying a thing about it. <laughs> No, I already said it last night. I said the 76ers went full Toronto Maple Leafs last It's night. worse. Come on. It's worse. Okay. <laughs> it's went full like Toronto Maple Leafs. Listen, I you're like talking to a person who also went through 15 who went through the uh, game game 4 of the of the 93 World Series. Oh. Uh the 15-14 Maple uh Maple Leafs 15-14 uh, Blue Jays win after Mitch Williams completely uh blew it a chance to close the game out in the bottom yeah. of the ninth of that one. So thing. Mm-hmm. No, I blame that on Fergozzi, but anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, in this again for the Sixers, um, it really does kind of. I know a lot of people want to lean on Joel Embiid, but do keep in mind, mm-hmm. um, he was one of he and Seth Curry were the only two players who put the bas- the ball into the basket in the fourth quarter. The rest of the team pretty much was MIA. True, and uh, had put up a shot. And Simmons again didn't put up a shot, and it does. And again, it, he is in. He, 
we are at that point again with Ben Simmons where, you know, you can take him out of his game. He's just, he has a, he, 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 whatever it is, he has a mental block and to say, no, it doesn't fit. When Doc Rivers said last night, oh, I don't think the foul shooting is feeding into other parts of his game. <laughs> I could literally smell the waft of BS coming through the screen. He can't hit three pointers and he can't hit foul shots. Other than that, I'm not even about, Mike, I'm not even concerned about the three pointers. I really am not. I want to see him do something other than dunk when he's, when he's near the net or pass the ball out. Right. He has no finish underneath the net unless it's in transition. If it's a play where he's actually got to penetrate and get in and beat somebody he out the ball, he can't do it. He just, at this point, he's he can't Alexander Semen of the NBA, really. Jeez. Now, that's, the funny thing was, I was sort of, I was sort of, I will say, no, this is what I will say. It is untapped. It is the unfortunate. I mean, the thing is he does some other things extremely well. His defense is all NBA. Yeah, lock down just about anybody. That's a great thing. Uh, a, a tremendous distributor of the basketball. Great court vision. But when you don't have a shot, or at least a mid-range shot, yeah, and you have no finish in hockey. Well, I want to tie this into hockey for a second because the Flyers uh, fans need to be worried about this. The the Sixers losing last night affects the Flyers fans, I think, in a possibly very negative way. I think it affects the Devil fans more, if you know what I mean. No, this is why. If the Popeye Jones is a coach on the 76ers right now, of course, this is Seth Jones' dad. Oh, God. Now you're. Oh, now here he goes. How do we know that? But still, I mean, how do we know this? I mean, you do realize how many assistant coaches there are on NBA teams? As many as there are players, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like a every, every it's like player has assistant per player. <laughs> no, it's it's true. Like I was looking up the assistants, and there are like seven of them. I, which I find it, which I find insane, considering you know insane. in the NHL we we talk about having three co you know three assistant coaches, and it's yeah. like you got a larger roster. You probably need even need, need even more um, mental management over a long season, right? right. If, if if if, I, if I'm if I'm Joe Sackick, I call over to the Den, Denver Nut, Nuggets ownership and have them hire Popeye Jones as soon as the, the the 76ers fire him. And by the way, Anthony, I was praying for the 76ers to be a firewall against Brook Brooklyn getting to the NBA final. But I don't know who's got a better chance of stopping them, Atlanta or 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 the 76ers with an injured Embiid and Simmons being as dysfunctional as he is right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, right. there's still two games. Again, if they, again, there's not over yet, but but they're going to go full it, time again next game. No, there. absolutely, and that's the thing. No, and then you're then you're asking other players to do these things, and they don't have enough. And again, they don't have enough perimeter scoring. They just don't. Now it's better than last year for sure, but not enough. Now I want to ask a, a uh, where were you when for today? Because yeah. today is the 27th anniversary, June 17th, 1994. All I have to do is say two words, white Bronco. I was watching the Nick game. Yes. And I was really super annoyed yes. that all of a sudden the screen got minimized. Yes. And they were showing the Bronco and that. And I was like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, they, they had and the then you find out. They had the NBA. They had the NBA final in the small window. Yes, and the and we're watching the Bronco go down a California highway. It's like I was incensed. Yeah, I was mad. I'm trying to remember what was the year again. 
94. 94. So it was so that so I know exactly this was I, I graduated, it was senior week. I was watching it on a TV on the beach near, near the beach at a motel not far from the beach. Okay. I'll never forget it. Between that and the Rangers. Well, that was the week after the Rangers. Win. It was the week after, yeah. Right. So yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ak, where were you uh when the uh OJ White Bronco uh, chase in 1994 happened on this day. Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I remember. I don't remember where I was. Honestly, I don't. Okay. I, you were were you in the U.S.? You weren't in Europe or anything like that. I was 94. Eck, if you were on trial here, you would be in trouble. Uh, yeah, no, seriously. I'm sorry. I can't remember what happened. And I can't remember what happened last Thursday. I was gonna, okay, um, that's fine. I was in the U.S. in 94. Yes. I okay. Was. Now the funny thing was, funny, like I, I want, I was watching, I was definitely watching the NBA final, and I was pissed Me off, too. You, like you were Russ at the fact, and at a point, at a certain point, because they really, you heard Marv Albert like describing Patrick Ewing dunking the ball, and they're showing this, and there's like there was no Tom Brokaw cutting in, like every once in a while, no, there was very little information other right. than what was up on the screen. This is OJ Simpson, the Bronco, and you know uh, Al Cowlings is driving. That's right. all we pretty much new. And I switched it to the ABC, the ABC affiliate in Buffalo, and Al Michaels was doing a play-by because he knew OJ from oh Monday Night Football. I think he was doing sort of a play-by-play -play of what was going on. I was like, Where was he that he was doing it? What's that? Where was Al Michaels that he was doing it? I think he was probably like an AB in the some the ABC studio. They called him out. Yeah, I think so, because because the NBA final was on NBC at that point. So yeah, it was just bizarre, and I had I just had to. Anchor bars stay open late that night because of people wanted to watch OJ and have wings at the same time. Yeah, all the murderers gathered in uh, at, at the anchor bar. Uh, the, the, let, let me just let me just say this: the the reaction of the whole OJ thing. We're not we're not go not going to go into the trial or anything like that. But um, I just have to say this: working where I was when the trial ended and in Buffalo. Yep. Uh, I was working at a at a call center for a bank in in in, in, the, in suburban Buffalo, and everybody the calls stopped. All the calls stopped when the when the verdict was being read, and there were people working there that were listening to it on transistor radios. And when they said not guilty, there was a cheer. I could top this, Mike. Yeah. Oh boy. So I was I was. I would say maybe three or four months into a new job, I left the hotel field and I was in the video game field. So I was working at Software, et cetera, at Deptford Mall as a store manager. And when the verdict was coming in, people were coming into the store because as a video game store, there were four TVs. And those TVs are supposed to be playing video games that are going to be getting advertised, that get paid advertising money for the company. And people kept coming in and saying, are you putting the verdict on the TVs? And I knew, I, like, if my boss walked in, I'd get fired. Like, I, I, would, I was new in the job. I eventually did very well with that company, but I was new then. And I still said, you know what? I got to put it on. There was like 15 people in the car, and, and not in the car, in the, in the store putting pressure on me. So I put it on. I put it on two of the screens, and one of them inside, and one of them would be outside in the food court. And Anthony knows where that food court is in Depth Mall. And it's pretty packed on, you know, during the summer, especially. And I, I was at the, I, I remember where software, et cetera, was in that mall. I, used yeah. I, I do. I, used, yeah. I, I bet you I was there when you, when you were there. It's funny you say you work there. I bet you I was there picking up, you know, like the latest, like um, Quest for the Rings for my Odyssey, too. 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Well, but next, I told you Montgomery Mall was eventually mm -hmm. one of my stores when I was a district manager. Mm -hmm. And so I, you probably walked in then, but I wasn't there very often. I would be there like once a week. But anyhow, yeah. there were people cheering and everything else. And I'm just sweating it out thinking I'm going to get fired for putting this up. But I did it anyhow. Oh, so. man. Well, I was living Everybody in, in the mall was there after a while. It I was, was living like, in Maple Shade at the time in 1994. I would have been okay. Maple Shade, New Jersey. So, yeah. Curtis, you would have been at Cherry Hill Mall. Just oh, yeah. Yep, 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 for sure, a hundred times. Like I used to ride my bike from when I was a kid in Cherry Hill. I'd ride my bike to the Cherry Hill Mall, the Defer Mall, and the uh, Morristown Mall all the time. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Done. And the famous Echelon Mall. Which is no mall longer. Echelon. Oh, that place, that is one of the weird malls in America. Oh, it's definitely one of the weird malls in America. I mean, it's one of movie. Movie. What movie was Echelon? I, I, I can tell you what the Echelon, Echelon Mall was like during an era where they were making a lot of buildings, including schools, look like prisons. Yeah, yeah and that movie, <laughs> there was a movie that featured the Echelon Mall, like they filmed yeah. in it. And I can't remember what movie it was. Now. Was it Mallrats? It's not that. It's not no, that. Really, Mallrats was Northern. It's that really spooky movie that that features the King of Prussia Mall in it. Um, can't think of what that's called. But the um, but no, but the Echelon Mall. Well, the Echelon Mall was very close to the um, Coliseum, which is where the Flyers practiced at that time when I was a kid. Oh yeah, but this is out in the sticks. Just so people know, the yeah. Echelon Mall is out in the sticks, man. <laughs> it wasn't the sticks in that at that point though. Uh, Worries was pretty built up by that point, and it was really close to. Um, I mean, oh, you're talking about the. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking of Echelon Mall. I was thinking of Exton. No, Echelon Mall by Voorhees. Yeah, you're right. it wasn't yeah. in the sticks. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Nobody could ever find it. Like that was the other mall, and it was like a fashion mall. But anyhow, yeah, I, yeah you're right. Very good. Very good. Moving on. All right, ready? Here we go. No more South Jersey talk for today. All right. Hello, and hockey world. <laughs> Hello, hockey world. It's Thursday. July 17th or June 17th. We'll call it June. It's Thursday, June 17th, 2021. I'm Michael Agello, and on Friday, we will be discussing the malls of Western New York. Mm. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I used to go to Market East Mall. That was the worst one. Anthony might know that one because it's attached to the train station. That was a tough one. Yeah, um, they're redoing it now in Center City. Yes. I'm, Anth I'm Anthony Mangione, and... Uh, Got all this mall talk just makes me so nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I'm Eckler. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast at HockeyBuzz.com. It's a podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, I, I'm Mike. I remember the uh, some of the malls of, of, of Western New York. Oh, yeah. The, the, Clarence, the Clarence Mall is what I remember because oh. – um, the the Clarence Mall is where Borders Books, or I think was I think Borders or Barnes Noble, one of them was in the Clarence Mall. Uh, B Dalton or one of those places. Borders. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that was I think I remember that's the one I remember. Anyway, um, that was the yeah. one closest to the Holiday Inn. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I think that was it. All right. So anyway, let's get into this. Um, where the hell are we? All right. Yes. Yeah, so a game. <laughs> a game happened last night. It yeah. Did. Um, it did. <laughs> a fun game. A really. I thought it was a really exciting game actually. Um, I thought it was well played and it was one of the, uh, and, you know, and sure enough, um, the Montreal Canadians are now in this series. Um, right, I, so I'll, I'll tell you how they tell played. Me why they're not. No, no, I'm not going to tell you they're not. I can't tell you they're not after yesterday. Two things happened. The first one is they legitimately played keep away and it worked. Mm -hmm. The yeah. second one was who knew that after Chandler Stevenson, no one on the team could win a face-off? This is Nobody. a freaking excellent point, Russ. And but who also knew how really weak that team is up the middle? Like that is a no. It really was exposed yesterday to the point yeah. where 
Madison to Mike, they have Cody Glass, and they've never given him a chance, and he's a big centerman, and he's good on faceoffs. I don't know how he'll be at the NHL level, but he's got to be better than throwing Marcia so in there after a while. I mean, they're like they're like Columbus Blue Jackets level center. Matt I mean, Pacioretty was taking faceoffs for crying out loud. I mean, how could a team that's that good be that bad, bad up the middle? But, but we had this discussion the other day about how dominant their wing play is and how it compensates for the fact that they're. Oh, we never talked about how bad mm-hmm. their center play is. That's no, the we only don't. Thing. We're usually not talking about that. It's usually you know we're talking about how the how Montreal was getting themselves end in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that but that has been certainly a, a major area of concern, I think, for um for Vegas um in in this series. And again, even though again. You know, Stastny ended up obviously getting traded to 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 Winnipeg. It it kind of helps out yeah. a little bit to have a guy like that who you could send it out does. there. We don't have time. that. I mean, no. to think think about this like for a second, like you know, this is a the, you know that they're weak up the middle when Peter DeBoer by just losing Chandler Stevenson has mm-hmm. to change all four lines. Like right. the fact the fact that he moved all four lines around yes. is also ridiculously stupid. He finally went back to put the tuck line back together because they were really good. Like. I hate, you know, it was a big pet peeve of mine. When one guy gets hurt to change all the lines, I think is the dumbest thing in the world oh, you can do. When they moved Tuck, there was no one who could play give and go with him. So he was just going to the net or bust. Like well, that's he, 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 yeah. DeBoer realized that that was a mistake about halfway through the game when they were trailing yeah. 2 nothing because he put uh, Roy back on the third line and he put Colasar. Now, this is what I mean. You're playing Keegan Colasar between Stone and Pacioretty. I mean, yeah, how really asinine is that? This is insane that they don't have a guy that can play there. Like that they that they didn't go out and get a center at the at you know at some point is kind of crazy. Like that they, they listen, Eck, we know that they had were focused yeah. in this offseason so much on on improving their defense, which I don't which again I, I think after losing four two goals. Like Petrangelo yeah. scored two goals. Yeah, Petrangelo scored two goals, and he certainly t- papers over, I think, a lot of things for that Vegas blue line. That was the area of focus for them, but it did cost them in terms of yeah. salary structures, the way they're yeah. set up with so, with such high-end salaries. You had to end up trading Stastny, and that's a guy that, yeah. again, he may not be a superstar player, but Stastny could still yeah. would probably give you that structure that would allow you to not have to completely – jumble your lines the way that he had to in this game. Yeah. I mean, Russ, it, it's, it's funny because they've got two young centers in their organization that they drafted in the first round. One, we just taught you just mentioned in glass, right. who, you know, has had some NHL experience, but they really, like you, like you said a couple times, they really haven't prepped him for being no. in this position. And the other one is Peyton Krebs who only has four or five games of AHL experience. So they can't put him in there. He's right. on their taxi squad. So really it's like, I mean, what are you going to do? Put Thomas Noshik in there or, I mean, they yeah. really no, but the thing is, it's like they should have done something with glass I get that you want to have a veteran team, right? But Glass had a good year in Henderson, right? He had 10 points in 14 yeah. games, three points in two playoff games. You knew he was coming over. Why didn't you insert him into one or two of these games yeah. on the off chance that this could happen? See, this is where coaches sort of get this focus. They get this tunnel vision, and they never especially, think about what could happen. Especially Pete DeBoer, who has this is what yes. part of what part of what his problem was in New Jersey. I was talking to some Jersey friend last night who called me up, and he texted me. He's like, "This is what this is what is the deal with the Devils." He always did this. He always screwed up all the lines if somebody got hurt. And That's at the end true. of the day, at the end of the day, you know, you also saw like a different kind of Mark Andre Fleury. And this, my theory on Mark Andre Fleury now, at his age right now, is he is maybe the best goalie in the in the league when he when you're ahead. 
But when you're behind, yeah, that's fair. I do. When think you're behind, fair. he is. He he is always. This has been his. This has been his mo from the beginning. From when he was with the Penguins. This is why you had the eight seven games with the Flyers. When you're behind, he tries to do too much and puts yeah. himself puts himself in I position. Agree with that. Puts himself out of position, and is really is is trouble. Like and and like that goal, like the 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 goal that he the uh, the breakaway goal. I mean that that was like that looked like me on a breakaway like that that you know. The, yeah, but the, you know Byron, the, I tell you what, I think Flurry knew exactly what Mike was saying when when the way that Vegas had set it up <clears> that way, they were like basically thinking there's <clears> no <throat> way Montreal could get past us on the boards, and the minute Byron sped past them on the boards. It was him and Keegan Colasar. And I don't want to pick on Colasar because he could actually be, you know, a decent fourth-line player who could score a few goals. But for him being your last line of defense on that, that's why Flurry acted the way he did because he knew Colasar wasn't up for the yeah, well, yeah. The performance of the Canadians la last night was miraculous because I never realized you could skate so fast with a horseshoe up your, up your rectum. Um, they really I, – I, I thought that their their play after – on that one, Mike. Well, well, I see yeah, where this is going, Mike. No, I, I honestly did not, you know, I did not think that they were the better of the two teams again last night. Uh, I, I beg the different let me, first let me, period. Let me, let me By finish. the way, newsflash, they're let never going to be the better of the two teams. Let so go ahead. Continue. Yeah, continue. Let finish. Right. Let me finish. Finish. They got, off, they got off to a great start, like Anthony was saying. But wait. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, there's more. Sorry, Mike. They got, they got off to a great <laughs> start, and then they fell back on Carey Price. Yeah. And, and that, that's been a winning formula for most of most of the playoffs, but that doesn't mean that they're the better the a that they're the better of the two teams, and yeah. b, that they're they they played better in the game. They you know the Armia goal. Well, they were the better of the two teams in that game. They, they, won. Won. they, they were the better of the two teams. You don't have to be the better of the two teams. In that game, they were. Yeah, in that I mean, game, they were. The, un the unbelievable statistics. And this is on Vegas. And this is on Vegas. Right. Yeah. They, they needed to ramp it up at yeah. the puck drop. If you want to put their, but a team like Montreal, you got to put your foot on their neck. Yeah. The, un the unbelievable statistic is that the the Habs are nine and one when they score the first goal. The only game, the, the only thing that the Maple Leafs accomplished in the playoffs is that they actually beat the Canadians when they scored the first goal. I think it was in game two. So they'll be raising that banner next year, Mike. There you go. Yeah, we we beat the Canadians. <laughs> we score first. Um, other than when 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 they allow the first goal, they're zero and four. If you're if you're Vegas, if you're Peter DeBoer, I would basically go hell bent for leather when they play game three and say go out and empty your tank in the first period and get the first goal because if you don't this team if they if montreal scores all they're going to do is sit back in that one four zone mm -hmm. yeah. suffocate you to death and price isn't going to isn't isn't going to let in a bad goal and you can win stanley cups the devils did that for years um sorry if my voice is bad today guys i have a real bad cold <clears throat> but um yeah, the the I mean I, I agree with everything you're saying, Mike. They but they'll never be the better team in this series. I mean, they're not they could still win it though. The reality is that, that the thing is that, you know, that, that like St. Louis last year, like we talked about, they weren't the better team against Boston or two years ago, I guess now. They weren't the better team against Boston in the Stanley Cup finals. And right. St. Louis wasn't even the better team against San Jose in the in the conference finals that year. But they, you know, you can still manage to win. Mm -hmm. And the and the reality is that the one thing I will say that I started felt felt like it was coming to fruition that I talked about before the, the Achilles heel that heel of the of the Golden Knights last night was that their forwards started to aim the puck and you can't do that. Like they they price got into their head a little bit. Well I'll give they, you another one though. I mean again <clears throat> in-game strategy here that shouldn't have worked but it worked great for Ducharme was 
having two centers in in case one got called out yeah. so they could win another faceoff because they have a lot of centers and they just couldn't do anything about it. Like yeah. at some point. So you got to so then you got to give it to Ducharme for doing that. No, I do give it to Ducharme, yeah. but I got to say yeah. I'm DeBoer. I tell my guy, I don't care what you do, tie him up, fall on the puck. Do yeah, something. That's what Kevin Hayes used to do before he learned how to win a faceoff. He never won a faceoff. I think they lost he six. Just tie a guy up. It felt like they lost six offensive zone faceoffs in the last two minutes. Like it, it felt did. like Vegas. Vegas because every, time because every single play. one of them, Dano was out there, and and I was telling but he was right, doing the same thing, right? Like every every faceoff, he was pulling it back the same way. Like you would think you can adjust thing. that. Well, you okay. that to that. I, I, I'm just looking at the at the faceoff statistics. Dano took 28 draws. He was 61 percent on the draws. The next highest amount of draws was Nick Suzuki at 17. So in the third period, he probably took all of oh, them. And I, and this this is the thing. I said this to Russ. I mean, okay. Clearly, Deneau, you know, in the first round, he matched up against Matthews and he shut him down for the last few games uh, for the five, six, and seven. Um, against against uh, Winnipeg, he shut down Shifley in game one, and then I think he moved to Dubois. There's no number one center for him to check against. He's basically a face-off specialist, yeah. and he's killing them right mm -hmm. now. And I'm, I said to Russ, Russ Vegas's priority A should be running that guy. And I'm not saying cheaply. I'm not saying head hit him or anything like that. I'm saying wear that guy down because face-offs, it's all about strength. It's all about technique. If you if you hit him a few times, he's not going to be as efficient on the face-off circle. So they have to do that. Otherwise, they're going to keep having that problem. Well, eventually they'll tire out if if, 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 you've, if every game's like last night. Like eventually, Montreal can't play that way. Montreal, but Montreal has to get to the point where – Vegas gets frustrated and doesn't come like they came last night. Like the frustration level on Vegas's forwards was there, but you know, honestly, think about this. If if you know if Peter Angelo doesn't score twice, you know that's a that's a that's a shutout for Price last right. night. And if if that's a shutout for Price last night, with all there were some moments when they absolutely should have scored. Like the one play that Price got off the top of his pants that goes up. Everyone, everyone thought that was in. There was no question about it. You know, but the one thing they won also, um, Eck, as far as Montreal, is now the mental battle. If Stevenson's not in next mm -hmm. game, DeBoer is going to put the lines through the blender and do, and and he is going to try and figure this out. And if he doesn't figure it out, it is also – it's not going to look pretty for Vegas. I think they will figure it out. Yeah. I can't imagine they won't. But, man, if, this, if they do this again, it, it could get in their heads. I well, do uh, question how tough Vegas is mentally. I really do. Uh, wanna, they haven't been tested yet about in that part of the game. You want to know how, mm, how they were down to, you know, being down in the in the Colorado series. Yeah, I think that was a well, the first game blowout. I will give you that. Yeah, that was, they came back from that pretty strong. You want to know how bad it got for Vegas in terms of the faceoff? Um, okay, obviously Nick Wah, who's a center, he had sixteen faceoffs, eight and eight. Patrick Brown, here, the, listen, listen to these list of immortals. Patrick Brown, <clears throat> Keegan Colasar. Max Pacioretty went 0 for 1. Marcheseau went 0 for 3, Russ. Yeah, And the funniest one, Ryan Reeves went 1 for 3. Why is Ryan Reeves in the faceoff? That's how desperate they were. Because that is how desperate they are. Oh, yeah. geez, big Ryan Reeves. He may scare somebody at the circle. 
Green has been pretty. Green has been pretty invisible. Honestly, he really has. Like yeah. he has not been. Once the game, once you get to this point of the of the season, I mean, yeah, unless on. you're Tom Wilson, where you could actually score. Exactly. Let's yeah. the he's, an antag he's an antagonist without a protagonist, right? Like well, he's he's, he's out there. He doesn't have anybody. To, he doesn't have anybody. To, like when, oh. when before Wilson, we had Wilson and Reeves. That was like a real thing. No, you know? he does. He has Corey Perry, but the problem is they're trying to goad each other into penalties. But what Reeves can do. And I'm sorry, this is I said this in the Toronto series, and they didn't do it, and Winnipeg and the and Winnipeg wasn't capable of doing it in the four-game sweep. You've got an injured uh core group of defensemen with the Canadians. Weber's playing hurt, Petrie's playing hurt, Sharon's a little tuned up on the glass, too. Yeah, you've got to beat them and into the wall, wear them down, because that's how you create turnovers. And they didn't do and it. I, and I didn't see Reeves doing that with uh, with any kind of reckless abandon yesterday. You have to do that. If you don't do that, that, that core four group, the Canadians, is going to you know basically shut you down. Yeah. I mean, Here's the funny thing. And and this is this happens with a lot of coaches. It used to happen with Laviolette, with certain guys. But, Mike, you mentioned Patrick Brown. And if you look at him, he's a very marginal player. At, at this point, I would put Cody Glass in and take out Patrick Brown because right. I've got to at least – try and put in somebody who's got some skill there to a try and win a faceoff, but b actually try and score a goal too because you know patrick brown has two goals in, in 11 games i get it but he right. doesn't have that many goals in his career like he is just a rock yeah. solid hard playing guy yeah. and i get that coaches want those guys on the roster but you can't litter them with them and vegas is <clears> littered <throat> with them yeah yeah, that, yeah that's a really good point um, I, where the series goes from here is going to be fascinating. I mean, it's it's going to be tougher. Uh, it's going to be it's you know it's definitely Montreal is going to be happy to be home. I think that'll be a really that'll be a really that'll interesting be a thing. good thing. But it could be look. I mean, again, being home is always a good thing. But if they fall behind, it could be a bad thing too. Yeah, and these are four teams. These are two teams that both like to roll four lines. And they're making a big yes. deal out of how this isn't like, <clears throat> excuse me, how there's no like line matching going on. But I think there is actually Montreal. Oh, there's out, line matching. Montreal's out. Montreal managed to match lines in, in Vegas, and I, I, it'd be even easier for him to do that at home. So, um, well, yeah, I think that that's. I think it's. Actually, I think there was a point where he, where Ducharme definitely outmatched the lines, and it happened in the third period, and that's when there was a timeout called because Ducharme. Oh, I know what it was. They took a long time to get to the bench. Ducharme's guys. So they could see what Vegas was going to do because they were hopping right over the boards and so they didn't know what to match up. And that was a smart move, actually. And DeBoer got yeah. pissed off of that right <laughs> late right position. He was like, I'm not going to put my guys out until you put your guys right. in. Uh, so, before we talk about tonight's game, uh, let's let's talk a little rumors here because we got some rumors going on um, right. that I think are kind of fun. And Eck, we should talk about Brendan Moore <laughs> at some point. I did cover that press conference. Yeah, actually, let's start there, Russ. Okay. So, and just to clear up for the chat room, did I think there was a chance he was leaving? Absolutely. Yeah, I right. did, but I didn't say he was gone. I didn't tweet, hey, Rob Brennamore is gone. But uh, Kevin was right, and that's good. The audience, the audience believe you were trying to will it into existence, Russ. I wasn't trying to will it. I, just I, mean, I, thought, I, I honestly did think he was leaving, I just so. thought because it was taking so long, and I knew he wanted <clears> to sign those other guys. I get it, but I still thought it was taking a long time. But anyhow, I always thought, look, Brennamore is a great guy, and yep. he got all those guys – New contracts, total marks to Brendan Moore. He's always been a mensch. I'm going to get past that part because I can. You can write 12 articles about what a great guy Brendan Moore is. But to me, the other things that happened in this were interesting. So Waddell, you know, and Brendan Moore got a three-year deal. They called it a long-term deal, but it's a three-year deal. 
And so if you want to, you know, parse that, you can. Well, anything, long, anything longer than two qualifies as long-term. You know that. And, and Ross, yeah. uh, Elliot Friedman had this about a month ago. Uh, uh, Brenda Moore, the salary was is around $1.8 million, which I'm sorry, if you extrapolate that and apply that to Dougie Hamilton, which I think you have to because every, everything with, with the Carolina is money, Dougie Hamilton's gone because they they only recently – Brenda Moore wanted to stay in Carolina. He mm. wanted that. He's building a house there. He's been with the organization for a long time. He was willing to take less to stay. That okay. was All right, so I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, so as far as Dougie Ham – well, as far as Brenda Moore, the one thing that became very clear in this press conference is how much John Waddell listens to him as far as personnel for the team. Now yeah. – that's a good thing and a bad thing, as we've learned in sports. So far, it's been a good thing for them, but it's not always going to be a good thing. That's something where you keep on the back burner for another day. But Dougie Hamilton, here's the quote that Don gave about Dougie Hamilton, and then I'll tell you what I feel is going on. He said, there's a difference of opinion right now. We could wait until July 28th, and he could walk away for free. If it makes sense, we could trade him, pick up an asset, or we can have the opportunity to decide him. The door is open. We love him. Okay. So – the fact that he's doing this very early tells me that there was such an early impasse in these negotiations because of term and price that that's why he's doing it now because he feels like they could run out of time before they ever come to an agreement. And that's the alarming part about this. Because yeah. look, I love Jake Bean. There's definitely some free agents out there, but you're not going to be able to replace his points, what he does in that system. You're not. You're only going to get close. Right. right. He's like a 70-point guy in an 80-point, 80 80-game 80 season if he stays on this pace. So now you guys can talk about it. No, guys, I like, I, I like it. I, I think you're right. I mean, I actually heard so much that, you know, Brendan Moore had actually told some friends that if the money wasn't there, he would consider just taking a year off and not coaching. <clears throat> that, he, that, he, that there was a thought, you know, that he might just like, you know, hang out, you know, with his family in Carolina. He definitely wants to live in Carolina. He, he's taking less money. I mean, it is one of those situations where he could have gotten probably four or five million dollars out of Seattle, you know. So I, I really know, and um, and there is some stuff about Seattle as well today. We'll get to that in a little bit in the rumors. Yeah, you know, we have to factor in Brenda. You know, I have no idea what his finances are, but he was in the league long enough that he yeah. was making significant money. So maybe yeah. money is not as important to him as somebody like Ralph Kruger or other coaches out there. You yeah. know. Kruger got almost four million from the Sabers, or maybe he doesn't feel comfortable again in this circumstance. He has to win a cup, maybe, with that team, right. and then he maybe right. he feels like then he can kind of yeah. Say, that, okay, that now be. I'm in that, and, and, and knowing Rob, it wouldn't his mindset. It wouldn't surprise me if that is is the potential. That could be a potential angle. And, and what I what I yeah. hope is yeah. what I hope is that yeah. what what Russ said is is true is that you know at least you get some influence, some more influence. A lot of influence. Yeah. I'm going to give you another quote that shows that. Yeah. Somebody did ask a great question, said, hey, if there was a 30-goal guy out there in the market, but he doesn't necessarily play your way, could you teach him to play your way? And his answer was, if he scores 30 but doesn't fit our group, that's not a guy we're even going to entertain. We're yeah. trying to build a culture here. If the guy doesn't fit, we don't want him. I get that mentality. But you are going to run out of players when you want to add on the free agent market that fit your system, and that yeah, is true. going to be limiting down the line. It is. I, I think we're. I, 
culture is a huge part of it. I, again, we I think we would all acknowledge the fact that yeah. the teams oh, yeah, do win it, have established it, and you can potentially make it work. Like, say, for example, in Pittsburgh, they were able, you know, there was some, any, again, you have to see sort of the way the player is, what their personality is, everything else that goes into it. Like a guy right. like Phil Kessel was able to graft himself into that Penguins lineup after he got traded pretty, you know, <clears> in a fairly seamless manner. As long as there's, has, you have to feel strong enough about your room to be able to absorb a more mercurial personality type. True. So True. the question is again, who in the thirty goal score guys are out there? We're coming up with hypotheticals. I'm not saying it's this it, year. It, it does get very specific, Russ, as to you do have to examine those things. Right. Yeah, I'm saying it's any year though. He he just brought it up as a hypothetical. This guy, and that was his rock solid answer. And I get it. I get wanting to stay with the culture, but I also feel like, hey, there are always and exceptions where yeah you should be able to get a guy to fit in sometimes and sometimes you have to identify a guy out on the market because you do have a need like that's going to come up yeah uh, i wanted i wanted to uh congratulate bill zito for being one of the three names. Wait, i'm just gonna have one more thing for this and then, yeah, yeah please continue yeah so the other thing there's two other things so he's talking don waddell said they're talking to svechnikov every day now we have to remember Svechnikov was offered like a low ball deal last year. He didn't accept it. Six and million. Now, yeah. And now they're talking every day. He didn't say they were close. He didn't, he just said they're talking. And so like you do have to wonder, is this eventually going to run out of runway with you know with their future best player? Like this is another salary thing where it's like agent, this is where agents come in handy, right? Because if you had to call a player every time to hammer out these little details to make Tom Dundon happy, players would all hate him. But they're doing all this through the agent, so that's fine. The agent contacts the player once in a while to, to give him an update. But, again, this gets into dangerous territory with a guy like Svechnikov. Yeah. It does. Yeah, well, they're, I mean, come on. The book here is that they'll nickel and dime every single thing from from – from broadcasters to general managers to coaches and to players. Remember, their big contract was not signed by them. It was signed by Montreal in an offer sheet that they matched. They calculated that it was a good, it was a good enough offer to match, and they did it. But for about five seconds, I'm sure they probably hmm, let me see. Is this something we should do or it's well, not? This is the last big quote I'll give you. And this one is the one where Don literally falls on the sword for Tom Dunn. He goes, I don't think there's anything he's ever said no to from a player standpoint. It's interesting, yeah. Now, from a I mean, he did. Like, it's true. It's a good point. Don right? knows not to ask in a certain situation. That's why. That might be the case. No, go ahead, Mike. No, okay. So uh, I wanted um, – they announced the uh, nominees for the Jim Gregory GM mm -hmm. of the Year Award. And one of them was Bill Zito, who did, I think, a masterful job with the Panthers in, in his first year. Yeah. The other two, Lou Lamorello won it last year. Right. Okay. He's nominated this year. I would like to ask if one trade is enough to be named GM of the year, because other than signing a draft pick that they drafted, Ilya Sorokin, and trading for two uh, of his old compatriots in New Jersey, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak. Lou did nothing, and he gets nominated for GM of the Year. And the other one is even more laughable. Mark Bergevin, if they had lost to the yeah. Leafs, would have been fired. Or right, not he was about to get fired. I know. I think Zito might actually have this. <laughs> I, I, I think 
I think, I think Zito it'll be Zito. I think, it'll be Zito. It'll be I think Zito. it might be him too. I mean, which would be quite. I know Zito. One of Zito's mentors is Lamorello. I mean, who would have been your? Let's throw this out here. What would have been? Who would have been your other? If you're taking Lamorello, and and we're taking if we're taking the other two out of the mix and keeping Bill Zito, and who would have been your other two nominees, Mike? Well, I think Joe Sackett could be one of them. I think Colorado, you know, get Devin Taves. Yeah. The, the additions that they made at the deadline. I would agree with that. I would have think Joe Sackett would have certainly been one. I agree. What's another one? Mm-hmm. So you're replacing, you one. You're, replacing Lou, you're replacing Lou with Joe, right? I'll yeah. tell you my number one over Lou. Yeah. Julian Brisbois. Yeah. Because the league gives him general manager of the year. Right. Then they have egg on their no, face. No, 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 no. You get no, no. You get capology. You capologists of the year. Right. No, but he also made the, David, he made the David Savard trade, though he did. No, but basically what what Russ is saying is that they if they had nominated Julian Breesbaugh for GM of the year, that they were putting a rubber stamp yeah. cap circumvention. Yeah. I have one that I actually thought was going to win, and he's not not on there, and that's Billy Garen. I really hey, thought, Garen. I, thought Garen, I thought Garen should have I thought Garen should win this honestly over Zito even though I mean I think they both had a really they both had amazing years but I think what Garen did by moving out some of those really big names you know big he made some really risky type moves that you know yeah. as, as far as Minnesota goes but he did it you know and then signing Talbot was a great yeah. move you know you, you, I, you, you can't you can't nominate somebody from GM of the year if he traded for D- Eric Gustafson at the deadline <laughs> I mean, he listen at the end Although of the day. Gustafson's not killing him, Mike. I know, I know. I know. Bergevin at the end of the day, you know, and then, remember, it's not supposed he to build the playoff roster. Like that's what I talked about all year, and so far that has been yeah, true. His move is all season moves. I think do allow Bergevin to be in the. I probably would have yeah. Sackick in there, and I think Bergie probably does, probably is okay to be as the third nominee. I would not have Lou. Yeah, I, I would have Sackick, but, but I want Bergevin for sure because again, so Foley. I think that the Foley move was. Yeah. Was one of the best offseason. Anderson, he did a good. Again, there the the proof is here yeah. right now and yeah. here in the conference finals. But what I'm what I'm curious what I'm yeah. curious at, and I, I I wasn't able I wasn't able to find this out. What I'm curious about is we know that awards like the Norris or the or the uh, or the um, the Hart, the Selkie, they're all regular season awards. The award it, it counts the balance of the regular season. Yeah. Not the player. I don't know because I, I cannot conceive that Mark Bergevin gets nominated for GM of the year if they're considering yeah. just yeah. the end of the regular season because they barely got yeah. in the playoffs. They made a lot of changes, but they yeah. barely it this was this was reflective of the fact that they won two rounds, won the North Division, and are are, are you know have a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final. And that is bull crap. I mean, that you don't do that with you. If if there's one standard for one award, the standard should be the same for the other ones. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was surprised that Fletcher, look, Fletcher, and, Fletcher and, and Dubis didn't get any mention. Um, I thought both yeah, that is kind of weird that he got no mention. And and to be and to answer funky, <laughs> Lou is still a top five guy. He just shouldn't be in for the award this year. That's no, what Lou, yeah, what Lou does is you know he by not making moves. I mean, honestly, still the the crazy thing about this, I've never talked to a GM who didn't who didn't laugh at this uh, laugh at this award because they all say the same thing. They all say a GM's job is not judged in the season you're in. Often, you know, a GM a GM's position. Is like a is you, if you can if you say a decade the GM of a decade you can get that or GM maybe even five years but the reality is you know a lot of moves that are made this you know a lot of teams that made moves this year that might be turn out to be great moves don't show up yet you know so it's like to win this award you have to be kind of going for it and you can't be in a certain spot but you might and, the best and, moves are often made when you're not there 
And I know you were dig throwing a dig at Kyle Dubas, but Dubas went for it, and it was smart for him to go for it. It didn't work out. I, like I said, I've said before, the Leafs' loss was not on Kyle Dubas. The Leafs' loss was on the core group, not coming yeah. through. No, exactly. yeah, I wouldn't blame it on Dubas. And honestly, that, that's the NHL in general, right? I mean, yeah. you can get rid of the loss. Yeah. I will, what I will blame on Dubas, if he goes and re-signs the same guys, if he brings – Spets is fine, but if you bring Simmons back – yeah. and you're thinking about bringing Thornton back, then I will rip Dubas because then I will be like, you know what? You can't do that again. That's yeah. not, I, I think I can see them bringing Felino back if they lose Hyman. Felino, yeah. yes. That's Felino, that, yeah. That, uh, that, that, the indicator is that they're not going to do that, Russ. That Spezza was the – I mean, Spezza came out yesterday, and, and Lee fans got to love this when they have a, when they have some players who they think took, took too much of what the cap was. Spezza mm -hmm. came out and said – if I could have taken less, I would have. No, Spezza is a beast. I mean, I mean, if there's no nicer guy in the league than Spezza, first off, I mean, you must like, have lost the score though. When he said uh, that quote. I'm sure. I'm sure Mitch Marner was cringing when 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 Spezza said that. I know. And then the reality is, like, I mean, I know, and I have a little bit of a soft spot for Spezza because he's the first guy who ever wore a hockey buzz hat on the CBC when he was being interviewed. So I'm like. Cool, but um, I definitely like I definitely have his bets. He's one of my favorites, but honestly, um, yeah, I mean, just what he's what he keeps doing and what he and the way he played. I mean, he was one. He was maybe one of the he was maybe one of the most there was the second most important player in the lead for Leafs in the playoffs. It's just crazy. He had three I mean, goals in seven games. And he's a yeah. fine guy. And he, yeah, I mean, he was just he's amazing. And, and whoever it went through too with the craziness of them benching him when they first brought him there with bad pap and all that stupid stuff. Yeah. 2001 was the first draft I covered, and Spezza obviously had a lot of hype in the draft. And I knew about him in juniors, but I wasn't the junior guy I am now or the prospect guy I am now then. So I went and watched him. They, um, you know, they had him a lot of times pre-COVID. They would have these, you know, sessions with players and kids and have, you know, they go like to whatever the local rink is and they'd work them out. And, yeah. and I watched how Spezza was with those kids, and I was like, man. This guy really cares about these kids in the sport. And then when the All-Star game was in Ottawa, I have video of like him and his kids having this interaction, his own kids. And I was like really touched by it. I have it somewhere. I probably should put it out there sometime because it just shows the, the way this guy cares about everything. And the fact that what he said yesterday was that if he could take less money, he would. Like, granted, it, he took a lot of money from Ottawa. Don't get me wrong. But oh yeah, he still said that. He, he is in a comfortable enough spot to make that yeah. comment. Yeah, he made that. But you know, also the guy is just—he's just a nice guy. He's got the goofiest. He really laugh. is. He's got the goofiest laugh in the NHL too. Like if you ever heard him laugh, he's just. But like, he's lived up to expectations. Like yeah. he was the number two guy in the draft. There was a yeah. lot of hype. Right after him was Alexander Svitov, who I literally. Here's the quick story on him. So John McGowdy, who was a great guy, he passed away a few years ago. He worked for NHL.com. I was working for NHL.com. He called me. He goes, you just saw Svitov play. He played right, in, in right away. He played against the Rangers yeah. and MSG. He goes, what did you see? I said, he's a horrible NHLer. He can't skate. He was looking down at his feet. He's never going to make it. He goes, well, I can't use that for my article. You're not helping <laughs> at all. I'm like, sorry, John. That's the truth. Uh, that's funny. Um, I don't know. So, you know, getting back to this, I, it would be interesting to see who wins it. When, will they when do they announce this award? Um, there's a schedule. I think it's going to be throughout this month. They, they, no, no, no. It's quicker than that. It is talking about for the uh, GM of the year. Yeah, yeah. They, I'll look at my email. It's quicker than that. This isn't yeah. like something that goes to the award show, is it, or anything? There? No, no, no. The Calder is going to be during the Stanley Cup and something else, but this one. Yeah, might this award is made for Zoom. 
Yeah, yes. yeah. I think. Um, by the way, I I think that Felino is heading back to Columbus. I talked to people about that. I think that that's that was the plan all along. I, I think that uh, they convinced him to go to Toronto by saying they would bring him back. Right, and then I, I, everybody thought that was the case, Eck. But apparently, there are some reports that based on what what Columbus is doing in terms of a rebuild, that Felino still wants to win a Stanley Cup. He's not won a Stanley Cup. Now you could say, oh, well, don't go to Toronto because they can't even win a first-round series. But that there is a lot of speculation that he would be interested. He, he signed off on going to Toronto and that he would be interested in staying in Toronto, and Toronto would be interested in bringing him back. But like Maybe. Anthony said, uh, the possibility that would be contingent on them not, probably not signing Zach Hyman. And if they did, if they do, then Felino would probably be the Hyman replacement, which I think he's adequate enough to do. But it's a question of how much. I mean, he's making $5.5 million on a six year deal. Yeah. So he might be prepared to take less to play for a team that has a chance of winning a Stanley Cup. Actually, Mike, you're right. This one, they still count the playoffs in so i didn't realize they still actually count the playoffs so this one is going to be one of the stanley cup ones um so it's june 21st now we we should talk rumor rumor wise uh, we should talk a little bit about hamilton we should talk a little bit about michael because yeah i wanted to get in my blog today was about um about yeah. like the domino theory and you know i've I brought this up and it's become a popular theory around you know i've been talking about it forever and that and then there are key dominoes i call them keystone players the keystone players in the draft because every every year uh, you know, having done this now for like 16, uh, 17 years, I guess, every, every summer, there's like, it goes one of two ways. It either goes like, you know, players trickle, trickle out signings and trades, trickle, trickle, trickle. Or you have these keystone guys that hold up everything and, and that make everything like completely a mess. And that's, we, we had Seth Jones was one of those keystone guys. And that was definitely the case. Like last year, you know, some people said Taylor Hall was that, but he really wasn't because people weren't, you know, it was, it was kind of different last year. Well, now you, when you when you add Hamilton and Eichel into the mix, it does become suddenly it does start to look like a summer of log jams again. Like it looks like what's going to happen. Um, I did some talking about Eichel, you know, and, and I know Kevin, Kevin, and a lot of people think Eichel's definitely gone. Um, I have a couple different sources there, and they've been giving me mixed messages. And I was trying, I finally called one out on it. I'm like, so what's the deal? You know, some people are saying he's gone, and at the end of the day, what I kind of got out of it. You know, without directly, without being directly told, but this is sort of what I kind of got from what I was being told, was that okay, this surgery thing is obviously a big deal, right? And they know that Eichel, you know, is having it, it's going to be hard to trade him because of it. They know that that's something that's out there that that they're not going to get the price for. And they also, I think, they want Eichel to see that. I think they want Eichel to see that it's hard. I think that part of this is, is come on, do the surgery, like do what we want to do with the surgery. Um, this not have, does not have the surgery, <clears throat> right? Sabres don't want him to have the surgery. Sabres don't want him to have the surgery, except that you're not going to do that. And then his name could quickly come off the market if that happens. Um, Eichel doesn't want to be traded right now because of obviously for the obvious reasons that you know he has no say. He, he could he could go to Columbus and he's stuck in Columbus forever. But, but heck, I mean, here, okay, here's the issue: the Sabres have control now. Right. They don't have control this time next summer. Right, right, right. And that, that, that is the issue. So that ties into what I'm saying. The Sabres are basically holding that over him right now and saying, we can put you someplace where you're going to be for a very long time, um, you know, or we or, or you can, you know, you can do kind of what we're saying to do and not get the surgery and, and re back. I think that, and that's why I think some of these names are coming out. I'm just not convinced that that's not happening. I'm not saying it's 100% the case, but I think that there's I'm part sure. of it. Yeah, and I'm, sure, and I'm sure. And I'm sure. Again, the, considering pre, you know recent history with trades and them taking a bath on it, 
right uh plays plays a bit of a role in this and that they don't want you know if they don't end up with what they're they're hoping will be a good return for them is there a way that they could figure this thing out i doubt it but well, I, I, being as being as close to the scene in Buffalo as I as I have, I mean, the general direction here, I mean, there's a sort of an aura of finality that mm-hmm. he's gone. That it right now is not, you know, the I think that I get the, that. Yeah, I think that the hints out there right now are uh, of him, you know, of them not trading him are more like, okay, if we don't get what we want in a trade, then we're not trading him. We're not going to trade him for a bag of pucks. We're not going to be suckers like we were in the Ryan O'Reilly deal where we took Sabotka and uh, and uh, yeah. Patrick Berglund, and by two years after the deal, they're both gone, and the only thing you have left for that deal is Tage Thompson because you traded the first round pick for Montour, and he's gone. So I mean yeah. that deal, that deal was disastrous right. for this team and they can't do it again and that's why like you know Elliot Friedman is saying that you know Anaheim is interested and that this now, Russ this is the thing that I find laughable based on all the discussions that we've had about the Sabres and where their organization is right now Friedman is saying that the Sabres value this draft more than other teams they view it as getting an edge on other teams by knowing this draft class really well that tells me that they know the NDTP you know, the, the, those are the players. That, this is not the best year for the NTDP. There's right. some really good players, yeah. but this is nowhere near where They're it was. They're trying to outsmart themselves. Yeah. Not even that. They don't have enough boots on the ground for this draft. They really don't. And this is this is. A, I think this is a distraction tactic, honestly, Mike. I really do. I think yeah. that the, the fact that they're making this making this draft into something bigger. They they, well, they don't. have to do something for their fans. Like, there's a lot of guys. There's good. a lot of guys and girls in that in that stadium wearing Jack Eichel jerseys. Okay, don't like kid yourself. That it's that it's an easy thing or a good thing for them to do to move. I don't know. I get that. And and they also they they aren't going to get screwed again because they aren't going to. And therefore, you have to put the odds of them not moving him at the end of the day because they're not going to move him for nothing. Okay, so let's say they don't move him. Yeah. What are the odds they come to an agreement without going to arbitration on his surgery or not surgery? No, I what I think what I they can't even decide on that. At what some I point, think, they're just going to have to. They're going to. They're, they're one side's going to have to give on that. That's all it's going to be. What I, what I think this is, Ak, is this is, is their attempt to generate a market for Eichel. Uh, to get teams competing against each other to up the offers, because I don't think in the end they don't want they you know they're disagreeing about the surgery, and I think the optics of him coming back as a disgruntled player next year uh, will be as bad as it can be for this. Or there, yeah. there are enough bad things going on right now where you're going to have a disgruntled captain saying, "I want out." No, that that is just not acceptable. You're not going to get that from Jack Eichel, though. Jack Eichel's not that kind of guy, and they know it. Heck, here's why Kevin Adams is saying that, right? Because he knows he's going to end up with three or four picks in the top 15. Because if they trade Sam Reinhardt to Vancouver, like I was talking about, they'll get the ninth overall pick. If they trade Eichel to Columbus, they'll get at least the fifth overall pick with everything else that'll be sprinkled in there. So that's why he's setting up for that. And and what right. the this is a very good chance that could happen. And what this organization, yeah, I agree with that. What this organization may be doing is setting themselves up for another twenty, like that span between twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen, when they drafted uh, uh, second overall with Reinhardt and second overall with Eichel. They're setting the because 
if you trade, if you have three or four first round picks and your number one center is Casey Middlestead and your number two center is maybe say Adam Henrique or, or even Dylan cousins, you're setting yourself up for the, uh, what is it? Uh, the Shane Wright sweepstakes or the Connor Bedard sweeps sweepstakes yeah. for two years. You're going down that road again. Yeah, but that's they've been down that road and they know it doesn't always work out. So that's a tough. But they're going to. They also they've also been. They're also there. Does come a time when a franchise no longer is okay with tanking? Like there comes a point at which they've they've their fans are just true. like we've that's been doing true. this for too long now, and Fine. it no longer it loses it loses a lot of its glamour. But they've also made moves that signaled that they were quote unquote tired of tanking. Right. Yeah, it's they have. It's just their circumstances are they had a terrible coaching situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and just, just general mismanagement that completely scuttled whatever ambitions right. they had. Well, I mean, right. the, 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 they're, being, they're being forced into a direction that they really have no control. When, when you have your top three players, Ristolainen's Reinhardt and, and Eichel all basically saying we want out of dot. No, but that's not the case. That's not what's happening, Mike. I mean, I'm, Reinhardt's, not, not, saying, I, I Reinhardt's not saying he wants out. Ristolainen's not saying he wants out either. And, no. and I mean, none of those guys are, are openly saying they want out where no, there's I, a lot of assumptions they, being made all over the they, place. They, they, they can't, they can't say I want to be traded, but they did. They did say, well, Basically, Reinhardt and Ristolainen said the same thing. Whether I'm back or whether I'm not makes no difference. With a year left on their contract, that means they want the hell out. No, I don't think – I don't agree. Okay, but Eck, let's, let's say this. I don't agree. Two years ago, their plan wasn't to be a rebuilding team this no, year. And that's what they are. Right, and then, no, I agree with that, and that that wasn't the plan with the B, but that doesn't mean you get rid of pieces that are in place. Like you don't, I don't you think don't, they want they, to. I think I they mean, have to. They don't have to. They still own. Like those guys are both. Like Ristolainen is not is going to be a UFA next time around. Ristol Ristolainen is a UFA in one year, so he's one year. And Ryan and Reinhardt's a UFA R when Reinhardt's an RF an RFA with yeah. arbitration eligible, and then a UFA next year. Right, so he's an RFA, right? So you have that. Okay, so, so yeah, he's, he's an RFA, an RFA in Buffalo. He may only sign one year. Actually. Right, he signs. Oh, that's very possible. He but, signs a qualifying offer. He gets like seven million or six point something million, and then he walks. So you know, no. Yeah. But the reality is, there's not that many places out there, especially with this flat cap, that's going to be better. There's going to be better fit for Reinhardt than Buffalo. I can tell I mean, you, the Rangers would want him. I can tell you, Vancouver wants him. For sure. Well, they want I can him. Tell you yeah. There's probably five places you could put Sam Reinhardt right now. Oh yeah, no, he's a talented player, and and I mean, thirty goal scorers are thirty goal scorers, right? There's so fewer places for Eichel, but but teams are going to actually go out of their way to get Eichel. So there's probably more than we think. Simply yeah. because they'll make the effort. The Sabres. Sorry, bro. The Sabres. The Sabres organization is so bereft of talent in terms of top end talent, and in terms if if. If if especially if Reinhardt and Ristolainen leave for nothing, they they have to move them now or before the deadline to get something because they're going to walk. They're, they're or commit to them, Mike. Or like seriously commit to them, and that's like something that I could think. Do I you think, think okay, you really think that there's a there's a, a significant chance that Reinhardt will sign a six or seven year extension with Buffalo for the right amount of money? He will for sure. Well, then you're overpaying him, Matt. Well, I mean, Jordan gave he's, us he's the a thirty goal scorer, and he's your top, and he's one of your top well, centers. Especially if Eichel's out of there, yeah, you have to overpay him. Remember, Jordan gave us the scenario: if Eichel's gone, they may go to him and say, "You're our top center. Will you sign here now?" And then I guess there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna yeah. be okay. So you're gonna sign him a six or seven year deal at eight million bucks a year. Yeah, as your number one center. No one else which is gonna. Is, which again, when you consider the fact that they, as we said before, that they were so. 
reticent to put him in center. You're going to pay him $8 million a season. I know. Problem here, Eric, is... You got to take all the coaching stuff out of it because that was a... All right, forget. I'm going to just make it really simple here. Even if all these guys stay for two more years, they're not making the playoffs. They're not selling out in the stands. They're not getting better. Now, in three or four years... There's a chance they can get better, but Reinhardt will be gone, Ristolainen will be gone, and Eichel will be gone. Right. And so at that mm. point, he'll be gone by then, Eck. He is not – Eichel, there's no saying Eichel will be gone in three to four years. Eck, they can't even decide on whether to get an operation or not. Yeah, it's but once they, once you move past that, which you will eventually move past that, eventually – that? That's the only thing that's uh, – no, that, 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 that there's an issue of, between the organization and No, them. it's not, but it's the, it's the only – it's. With the kind of guy Eichel is, and it's the only thing that right, it's 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 something tangible that Eichel can hold on to right now, and that's the problem. Like you can't give a guy like Eichel something tangible to hold on to. You got to because you got to appeal to Eichel's like leadership qualities that he has, and say because he wants to be, he wants to lead. I know him; he wants to lead. He still wants to lead the Sabers to the like that's still. What does Jack Eichel want more than anything? To win. Right. To win, but and, he also wants and, to win there. That's and the he's been in an organization for the last six years who all they know how to do is lose. I get that. I get that. But he's the kind of player who doesn't 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 sit there and blame the organization. He's blaming himself. He's like, I gotta I gotta be better. We gotta make this happen. Based on based on what he said recently, he stopped blaming himself and he's blaming other people. Okay, Eck, I wanna read you this because I think it's important. Yeah. On April fourteenth. Elliot Friedman tweeted, expecting an update today on Jack Eichel and the word on his surgery. Yeah. April 14th. Right. And I know. Then they, and, then they, and, then, and then Kevin Adams said they were going to wait the 12 weeks after the injury, which was and, – and that and that ended because the, the original injury was, uh, I think, in March. Uh, waited to 12 weeks, which was uh, May 31st was the deadline. And the deadline passed, right. and nothing happened. Right, right. Nothing happened. So, if he has the surgery, supposedly the recovery time, he'd be ready for maybe not even training camp, but maybe he won't be ready for training. Right, it'd be probably early in the season. And if he doesn't have the surgery, then we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's so so many questions here, and the problem is, is that like you said, Act that affects the value in terms of return for any trade. If he was a healthy Jack Eichel, you'd probably yeah. be asking for you know two, two top. NHL ready prospects, a first round pick, and something else. Now they're saying a first months into this act. Like, oh, I know. No, I know that. I'm not saying we haven't. But at the end of the day, also, what is what if, like you say, nothing has happened yet. And I can also sit back and say, yeah, nothing has happened yet. So Eichel hasn't had the surgery yet. And that means to me that, you know, it's easier to trade him. By the way, it's easier to trade him than probably to come to this decision on the surgery because if that goes to arbitration, you don't know how long that's going to go. Well, with the, with it's the, impossible the, to trade him when he's when he needs when, well, when he's injured. What they're it's saying, not impossible. Teams want him now. What they're saying, uh, what they're saying, is, what they're saying is is that the, they're basically holding off on the surgery to find out whether the team that he potentially is traded to is in favor of that or not. And that right. Buffalo wants to pass on this and let that team handle the situation and get what they can for Eichel, which is still going to be a high price. I think that's where they are. If they don't get that price, then Eck, you're right. They'll keep him because they'll want to make sure he has a good year and then they can get full value for him. But honestly, I don't know whether we're ever going to see Jack Eichel in a Buffalo unit. I mean, Buffalo is like that 
that person who was selling a 67 Chevelle and he said, listen, it's mint, but it needs a new engine. I'm not dropping a new engine in it. You, right. you will do that. Let's come to an agreement. And it's There's hard. no question that you're right. And like I said before, they need somebody to jump in there and take over the situation. So it's just, and just fix that. They need like a Rutherford, somebody to come in there and say, stop, everyone stop. They do, but they're not going to do that. Stop, stop, Eichel, stop. Everyone's being childish here. And they are. Everyone's being childish. I mean, Eichel, I think Eichel's being childish on some things. I mean, I'm, and I'm listening. I'm not trying. And, but at the end of the day, I don't buy that other teams are interested in trading for him right now at all. I just because because the price that like they say they're not gonna, they're not going to get screwed by it. So the price they're asking for a guy who they no one knows about his shoulder, it's just not going to happen. Not in this well, NHL. It's, no, it's his neck, and his don't neck, put sorry, in neck, don't yeah. put in some conditions on the picks. Don't worry. But there's still teams that will jump in. Yeah. It's the NHL. Yeah, they see they yeah. see they see an opportunity here at to get a twenty five year or twenty four year old number one center who, when healthy, is one of the top five centers in the league. Yeah, but you you said what's Buffalo won for that? A right. lot. Well, I think they I think for, for I think they want probably a top prospect and at least one first round pick and probably right. something else. Yeah, at least one, at least one first round pick. But in this part, you can get one first. I think you can get a conditional first. I think you can get two prospects. I think, mm -hmm. I think one, one really top prospect and one really good one. One is going to have to be an A prospect who's ready. Like one who could play right away. That's, That's a lot right. of guy that you don't know if he's going to be able to play again. Yeah, but the but the but the the positives or the pluses on that is you have a. Again, a number one center under contract for five more years. Team, there will be teams that will risk it. There won't be a ton of them, but there will be teams that will do it. Anaheim is looking to replace mm -hmm. Brian Getzloff. That's eight something. You know, no, I mean, if, if he's healthy, if he if Eichel's healthy, I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah, but no one's going to give up two first round draft picks and and two prospects potentially for for a guy that they don't that 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 you know why hasn't he gotten a surgery why is why is this surgery so important how bad is his neck really there's well, a lot that has to go down before this deal happens and with all that happening with all without all that to go down i don't see it ever coming together like i just don't see it coming you would, together. you would think that the sabers would be it would be an open process where they're you know they're being they're revealing right. to these other teams what the situation is because otherwise they're flying blind you're right they're not going to make a trade for eichel mm -hmm and give up and risk those assets unless they know exactly what the hell is going on. Well, they're going to talk to their guy. And if their guy says, we think he can come through this, like the UFC guy, then, then right. they're going to do it. If their guy says, I don't know, then they're not going to do it, but there's going to be a team or two that would do it. But let's, sure. let's finish up with Islanders, Tampa. Yes. Yeah, we'll go there for a second. Um, all right. Um, also, I just, yeah, we'll go to there. I'm going to do some rumor chart stuff, but we can do that tomorrow. Um, all right, we'll do it tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, we have talked a lot about the Islanders Tampa, obviously, already. Not much has changed since the last, since yesterday <laughs> with this. Um, it's really just a matter of playing in the game. That's why I was kind of putting it off a little bit. I think that, um, I man, I wish, I, I so much wish I was at the game tonight. Like, the, if I would love to get a credential right now and go up for this game three and four, just that arena is going to be so crazy. So awesome. Yeah, but if you um, leave now, you might get there in time. I know. I, I, I'm already too late. <laughs> definitely. I'm def definitely. There's no way. I wouldn't get there by now. I wouldn't get there. Now. The helicopter. There you go. And, uh, you know, if I had, if my family, if I could do that, I would. The but, egg chopper. Use, yeah. use, use, the, use, the, use the rink as your helipad. Come on. Adam. The Eckmobile. To the Eck Cave. Um, yeah, I think that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Eck Cave is right behind me. That door right there. That's the, that's the Eck Cave, that door. All right. Um, okay. So, yeah. Um, this tonight, I mean. This tonight is the night we find out. This is my prediction on this one, and it's going to be kind of strange one. But my prediction is tonight's the night we find out whether or not Rolamov or Sorokin is finishing this series. 
And I don't know why I just feel that way, but I just feel like Tampa could come in today and tonight and blow the doors off because they're they're you know they're out of there. Or you know, Verlarmov comes in and just plays amazing, and it's Varley the rest of the way, no questions asked. Act can't let go of the Sorokin dream. I just I've I've envisioned it all year, and it's just it's just it's just usually when I have a vision like this clear, it's happened. So I just can't help but think I, that Sorokin's going to be a factor. I don't think the I don't think the loss in game two is on Varlamov. No, 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 we have some breaking news. Andrew Burris reported that um, Trot said that Pajot didn't skate this morning would be, mm. would be a surprise if he doesn't play tonight in game three, but he didn't skate this morning, so. Mm. See, Pajot is an example of why Lou deserves the GM of the last five years. You know, like that's like Pajot. Pajot's impact right now is enormous. He, he deserved the award last year because he made the Pajot trade and they got to the semi yeah. conference. Yeah, and that, but not just the trade, year. but they signed him. You know, that was like crazy. That was last year too. That's it was surprising. Well, it was surprising. Well, in net again, actually. Oh yeah, no, I know he's in neck. I know he's in net neck, shoulder. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Um, but I know he's in net. <laughs> but I think that at the same time, I just have a feeling that tonight we're going to see either the solidification of Varlama with a big with a big Islanders win, and that puts the Islanders in the command. And we won't see Wallstrom tonight. Yeah, the lineups are staying the same, okay, except for whatever happens with Peugeot, which he thinks he's playing. So now, is Wallstrom healthy to play? Healthy enough to play? I don't know. He's been doing warmups, but we don't know if he's healthy enough to I'm play. I'm sure he's playing at 100 percent at the moment, and they probably want to see where things are at with the series. Right. I think right. if they drop game three, we might see a push to have Wallstrom in for, yeah. for right. game four. If he or it could be regardless. I mean, maybe they get up two one, but then they might be reticent to change just to, to switch up the lineup much. True. If they're True. up in the series. True. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, this is and that's that's a very Barry Trot thing to do. Who keep the lineup together until they lose? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think and I, I think ultimately that's what he basically said this morning. Other than Pajot, hey, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. He I mean, he's playing so. I mean, when you look at these teams and then you look no, oh, this is the one thing I want to bring up and before we go is, and it's kind of like an overview here, but I had this thing I tweeted out last night and I kind of think it's true that in one series, we're seeing the two Russian goalies for the next Olympic and the other series, we're seeing the two Canadian goalies for the next Olympics. Um, and I think that that's, you know, I, I think in this, whether or not it's, you know, it's Varlamov and oh, wait, so you're automatically putting Sorokin over Shester. No, 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 I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm saying it's Varlamov. I'm putting Varlamov over Shester. I'm I saying, won't do that just yet either. I don't think Vasilevsky and Varlamov are the next. Are the it next could be Sorokin and Chesterkin like it was World Juniors seven years ago. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't say that's a rubber stamp yet. We don't, don't think Vasilevsky would be the guy. <laughs> that we do know. You know, Vasilevsky is going to be the starter. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, but they can bring three if they want. They bring three that, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, but I think Varlamov is going to be one of those three. So I, don't know. I don't know if he will be, honestly. And then I th and at this point, can you not? Think that Flurry is a contender for the for the Team Canada goaltender spot. Well, so is Price. Right. So that's why I'm saying those two. I mean, someone was saying Hellebuck, but Hellebuck's yeah, the third. But well, he well he's U.S. So yeah. But no, right, no. I'm sorry, Hellebuck. Yeah, no, but uh, but no, it's probably it's probably Price, Flurry, and Bennington. Right. But again, I don't even know well, if they're go if they're going to Beijing. So what the hell are you even talking? Seems about? like they are. I mean, they're talking about it a lot right now. But I think that. But I just think it's kind of interesting that when you think about that, what's going on here is, you know, that those those four goalies, they're all going to be like major players in the Olympics. There's one thing we have to remember, too, Ek. When Tampa goes to Long Island, Cooper went to college on Long Island. So he's very comfortable out there. So it's not Where did he go like to college? Where did he go to college? Hofstra. He went to Hofstra. To Hofstra. Nice. I, spent yeah. a lot of Hofstra. I have a friend who went with him and um, actually still very good friends with him. He's still the same guy, apparently. But I'm just saying, so – 
there is like this is a real Long Island game because now you even have the coach from the other team had spent time on there. So it's it'll be an interesting dynamic. I think this is the one where we get a better idea of where Tamp is at. To me, where game three is the game. At. Game three is always the you game. What the Islanders are going to bring? We're still not sure what Tampa is bringing. Yeah, and we I mean, know that. We know that the Islander, you know, this the the the, we, the series is yeah. on Long Island, so we know the Bagels yeah. will be better than obviously it going to Montreal, right? Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. even a question. I'm taking I'm I'm taking a don't I'm taking squares for when the first Islander cheap shot will be. I'll say you so. know on the last thing, forty-five. Uh, you know what we should do because there's two Philly guys here, and I don't know Western New York doesn't always count as New York. Mike, up there, was it Jimmy's or was it Sprinkles? It was always Sprinkles where I was growing up. We hear Sprinkles on commercials. Philly, for some reason, is stuck on the Jimmy thing. Yep. What was it up in Buffalo? Well, it's funny because <laughs> I saw the conversation, and it's like it's I knew, it, when I was a kid, it was always Sprinkles. Okay. But then, but then I heard Jimmy's like on TV or on movies, and I've always called them. I've always I call like they're sort of interchangeable. So we're sort of like yeah, I was my I was, as having a mother who went to Woodstock, um, and who was very self self um yeah, self aware of everything possible. My mother did. My mom was at Woodstock. Was very self aware of everything. Um, like you know, just justice wise, ju Jimmy's was Jimmy's was never allowed. It was in, it was considered a racial slur, and it was uh, really? we never we never said yeah, absolutely, really. It, Jimmy's. Yep, it was. Okay. Okay. So the racial that 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 is uh, that is what I was taught. Give me wow. rainbow sprinkles. So I guess the tiebreaker, Anthony. I was taught that sprinkles were multicolored and Jimmy's were chocolate. <laughs> I really was, and that and that, but you didn't call Jimmy's that because, and, and I'm telling you, I'm dead serious. Interesting. I, and never, I have never I heard that. I never heard that either. And I'm finding it interesting right now that the uh, that the Lehigh Valley, if that's true, that we're having the. <laughs> And it's it, it, yeah, Valley baseball team with a uh, theme night with that. So. It's uh, yeah, okay, it, it was, interesting. It, <laughs> All right, there you go. It was right. it was Gay Pride Week uh, in Buffalo last week or last weekend. Mm -hmm. they, had their, they had their parade, and there was an ice cream place on the main drag in, in in Buffalo, and they were giving out ice cream with. And they said Rainbow Jimmy's. There you go. So, yeah, Rainbow Jimmy's. Wow, that is see that's so totally, totally when wild. I am in. Well, obviously, when I'm living here, if I'm in Philly and the in the Philadelphia area, I do say. Jimmy's. I will say if we're getting ice, if we're on vacation elsewhere. Right. I will say I, I will say sprinkles because people. I have a. I, okay. I know it's. it's, I, know it's a, I know it's a very Philly. It's a very Philly colloquialism or yeah. Northeast Carter colloquialism more than anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. if I'm elsewhere in the country, I wouldn't. I would be. If I say Jimmy's, they'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, there you go. We don't know. I might be wrong, but that's what I was taught. Anyway, interesting. And expect um, that answer. There you go, folks. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.